The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. The following program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired. By tomorrow, I will rule the world! Day. Crazy day, Mr. Ben. Alright, we got all our watch parties up. Oh, I don't mind just a little. It's driving me out of my mind. Everybody at home do the papa pas. All right, here they are. Everybody now. Ba, 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 ba. You in the blue car. You weren't singing. All right. Hi, how you guys doing? My name's Tom Duggan here at the Paying Attention Podcast. Hi, it's up. Two Guys Smoke Shop at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. You know, I realized uh, when I'm watching the, um, the video after the show, Ben... That I start the show every day. Like, I start the show the same every day. We've got a great show for you today. Like, I've never come out and said, wow, this show's going to suck. <laughs> so maybe we'll do that today, right? We'll just do a suck show. Is it, though? I don't know. Let's see. Well, we've got Lenny Mera. State Representative Lenny Mera is going to be joining us. Uh, we're going to talk about rank choice voting. We're going to talk about the two ballot questions in Massachusetts. If somebody wants to send me your ballot questions, if you have them in New Hampshire, we'll talk about those next week. Um... What else do we have? Uh, we've got a couple of things I want to talk about before we bring Lenny in. Lenny's going to be with us in about 20 minutes. We are, I am still in Facebook probation. It's technically not Facebook jail because I can still post online. But here's what they did. There was a story out of ABC News um, 14, 20 days ago about Kyle Rittenhouse. Kyle Rittenhouse is the guy from Kenosha, Wisconsin who had, uh, I guess he was a 17, 18-year-old kid with a gun, and he was attacked and shot and defended himself against a child molester with a gun and another guy trying to beat him over the head with a skateboard, not to mention a mob trying to kill him. And so this ABC News story, you know, that evil right-wing pro-Trump ABC, right, posted a story about Kyle Rittenhouse and how Facebook was blocking any story that was favorable to Kyle Rittenhouse. 
Because you know, if you're if you're if you're blinded by politics and you look at the Kyle Rittenhouse situation, you want Kyle to be the bad guy. He's white. Automatically, that should make you a bad guy, right? He's white. He supports Donald Trump. He's conservative. Up, oh, that's it. He's a Nazi now, right? Um, and he had a gun. He went there to actually defend people and defend property. And if you're a liberal and you're blinded by ideology, all those three things are bad. You should never defend yourself. If you're white, you're evil, and you should never have a gun no matter what. And if people are beating you or charging at your house, you're supposed to just let them do it. So I took this story and, um, you know, being evil that I am and, you know, being the kind of person who's always looking to violate the terms of service of Facebook, I posted the story on my page with the caption, go Kyle. That was it. Facebook suspended me from going live on my Facebook page for 30 days because of that, because it violates their terms of service. And actually, by the way, no matter how ridiculously moronic their terms of service are, and they are, that post did not violate terms of service. This is a legitimate news story by a legitimate news organization, ABC News, that was talking about how Facebook is taking down photos and taking down stories defending Kyle Rittenhouse. Now, when did we get to a point in this country... When big tech monopolies could take a side on a political issue, not even a political issue, actually, it's not a political issue. It's just a current events issue, right? There's no politics involved. The kid was under attack, and he defended himself, and he shot one of the scumbags. And yet, I can't go live on my Facebook page for at least 14 more days because Facebook didn't like my fucking opinion. Now, I know the libertarians, all my libertarian friends out there, stop it. Just stop it, okay? I don't want to hear, yeah, but they're a private company. They can do whatever they want. No, they're, they, first of all, they're, they're not a platform. They get special exemptions from the government to be a platform, so they can't get sued when, they do, when somebody posts something that is defamatory. And they get trillions of dollars in, in, in tax, uh, uh, de- tax uh, uh, deferments from the government, so don't tell me, well, it's okay. If someone takes away your rights, that's okay. As long as the government's not doing it, that's the libertarian point of view. By the way, reason 5,421 why I'm no longer a libertarian. I was actually a libertarian for a little while until I met other libertarians and realized how batshit crazy they are. They're just as batshit crazy as the green people, people on the other side. Thank God you're bringing this up because no one mentions it enough. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you feel the same way. I wasn't sure how because I thought you maybe might have been a libertarian. No, I'm independent. Um, I, I, I was a libertarian for a little while until you realize that libertarians don't care if the entire function of society crumbles as, as, long, as, as long as the government stays out of private business. And like if they had their way, there'd be no USDA. Your meat would never be inspected. And so, you know, the, the extremists on both sides are very dangerous. But when it comes to stuff like Facebook censorship, the government needs to step in. I am going to be harassing and haranguing my congressman, Seth Moulton, who sends me press releases every... I get a press release every day, but every like other month, one of his press releases centers around reining in big tech. But he's yet to do it. Like, I get all these press releases that he's trying. He's introducing stuff that he's saying stuff, but nothing's been passed so far. Nothing's been actually accomplished so far. And what we really need is for in New Hampshire and Massachusetts, wherever state you're from, your congressmen and your senators need to remove the exemption from Facebook or give them the ultimatum. You either stop censoring content on your page 
or we take away your platform exemption and you are now going to A, have to pay taxes, billions in taxes, which I think is probably a pretty good thing, right? And or, and or B, uh, wait, wait, you st- stop, stop, oh, I lost my train of thought. Either, either stop censoring or we take away your exemption, you're going to pay taxes and you're going to be a platform. You're going to be able to get sued if somebody says something slanderous on your platform. And I think if, if the votes were in Congress to do that, certainly Trump would sign it in two seconds because Trump's been complaining about this for years. And if the votes were in Congress, they could go to Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and Snapchat and Instagram and all these platforms and say, look, you guys get an exemption for being a platform. The government gave you that exemption. You listening, all you libertarians? The government gave them the exemption. Therefore, the government is sanctioning the censorship that Facebook is imposing. Do you hear that, libertarians? Repeat after me. It's not okay because the government's not doing it, because technically the government is doing it. So we have to, we have to podcast this show through the Valley Patriot page for the next a couple of weeks at least, because Facebook didn't like my opinion. I didn't post... Hey, that's great that Kyle shot people. I hope he shoots more. I, that I could almost understand, even though it would still be my opinion. I could almost understand that. But all I, all I put was, go Kyle. That was it. Go Kyle. Because this kid's been vilified by CNN and the big tech monopolies and, and the mainstream news media to be the villain. Why? Again, I already told you. He's white. He's carrying a gun. He supports Trump. It's all it takes. And I don't, I, I don't understand why people aren't rising up on this. Everybody listening watches Facebook. Most of you are watching us on Facebook. Those of you who are listening to us on Spreaker or Podbean or Apple Play, I guarantee you most of you guys have Facebook too, or something like Facebook. Maybe you don't. Maybe you've got Twitter. Maybe you've got Instagram. But if they're going to be this big and they're going to be a monopoly then we need to do something about it. Here's why nothing will ever get done about it. Because Facebook and Google and the big tech monopolies pay off our elected officials to not do that. They've been bought. The Democrats and the Republicans have been bought. And speaking of the Democrats and Republicans having been bought, um, I'm watching CNN for the last week since Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. And I, I, I'm exclusively watching it and, uh, CNN now. The only time I f- swap over to Fox is for, is for Tucker. I go right back to CNN after that to watch Don Lemon. And they are apoplectic that Republicans four years ago set a standard that they wouldn't support a Supreme Court nominee in an election year. And then they play clips of Lindsey Graham saying, you can take it to the bank, use my words against me. If this happens in four years and it's Donald Trump... We're not going to confirm that judge. And then, of course, back to the so-called journalist who says, he lied, he lied, look, he lied. See, he lied, he lied. Look, look, he lied, he lied. But you know what they're not showing you? They're not showing you the video of Joe Biden four years ago saying, oh, no, 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 no. There's only one rule when it comes to this. The president makes the nomination, and he should get a vote, period. They're not showing Nancy Pelosi and Schumer saying four years ago, Oh, no, 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 no. The president is the president until he leaves office. He has the right to make the appointment, and this should go through. One of the problems that we have with this hypocrisy stuff is we start to point to the hypocrisy on the other side, but we never recognize it on our own. So here's what I'm going to say. Both sides are full of shit. They're both liars. They've both sold us out. Both sides have sold us out. 
Of course they of course the Republicans lied. I mean you watch the you watch the, the fake outrage by Nancy Pelosi. Oh my god, Chuck Schumer. Oh my god, they lied to us. Wait a minute, you've been telling us for the last 15 years that Republicans are Nazis and they're liars and they're killers and they don't care about babies and they only care about guns and now you're shocked that they lied to you? Even the outrage is fake. Look, Republicans want power. Democrats want power. That's the only thing this is about. This isn't about the standard in an election year. The Republicans made that up to stop Obama from getting a nominee. And quite frankly, I was the guy four years ago who said, give the guy a vote. I'm probably the only conservative that said, Obama nominated him, give him a vote. Because the votes weren't there, they would have voted him down. And by the time they voted him down, a new president would have been elected, and he would have, he would have approved the next guy anyway. But none of that matters. That's all inside baseball. That's all inside Washington, D.C. bullshit. Where one side points to the other side and says, you're a hypocrite. You said something different before. And then the Democrats point to the Republicans and go, you, you, you said something different before. And then CNN points to the Republicans and go, you said something different before. And then Fox looks at the Democrats and says, you said something different before. And the rest of us don't give a shit. Here's what we care about. Here's what you care about. What affects your life? That's what you care about. Most people couldn't give two shits if this thing gets done now or later. If you support Trump, you want it now. If you're a Republican, you want it now because Trump gets, gets another Supreme Court nominee. If you're a Democrat, it's the end of the world as you know it. Because you can no longer legislate from the bench. And let's just get something out of the way, too, before Lenny comes in. You know, there are two philosophies about the court. It's not Republican and Democrat. It's kind of broken down that way in most cases, but it's not. It's two competing philosophies about what the constitu- how, to, how to apply the Constitution. On one side, you have the Democrats or the liberals or the leftists who say that the Constitution of the United States is a living, breathing document. It just changes when it feels like it. It morphs with the time. And the argument is stuff like, I mean, just ridiculous stuff like, well, we didn't have an internet in 1776. How could the founders have, have foreseen that? So, of course, the Constitution is going to have to change because times change. No, 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 no. Constitution doesn't change. It means what it says. It says what it means. That's the Republican view. That's the conservative view is originalism. I'm an originalist. The Constitution says what it says, and it means what it means. And those who want the, the Constitution to be a living, breathing document when it suits them should be very careful. Because you want to read into the Constitution that you've got a right to an abortion even though it's not there. There's nothing in the Constitution that addresses that, so it should go back to the states. But the liberals wanted it to be a constitutional wanted it to be uh, a constitutional, a constitutional right. So they went to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court wrote in the margins, yeah, and abortion. Here's why that's bad if you're a liberal, if you're a left-winger, if you're Tennis Lilly, if you're a communist. Well, isn't the 14th Amendment to the Constitution kind of important? You know, how about um, all those civil rights amendments that we push through, a woman's right to vote? Huh? Outlawing slavery? Huh? No? No? Outlawing slavery? No? Because if we out- we've outlawed slavery in the Constitution, but if it's a living, breathing document, that can change, right? Like 20 years from now, if this, if this country takes a hard right turn, 
we might have slaves again. Women might not be able to vote because the Constitution is a living, breathing document, and it changes. It says in the Constitution women shall have the right to vote, but it might not mean that 10 years from now because it's a, it, it morphs. It's a living, breathing document. No, Scalia was right, and Ginsburg was wrong. The Constitution says what it says, and it means what it means. And as Scalia once said, if you want, if you want abortion to be legal, you don't need a constitutional amendment. You lobby your senators, you lobby your congressmen, you ask them to pass a law, and you make to have them make a law saying that it's consti- saying that, that it's legal. It doesn't have to be constitutional. Constitution means the Congress can't stop it. That's what they want. They want abortion and other things to be in such a way because they can't get what they want through the legislature because it's not popular and people don't like it. Abortion on demand up to third grade is not something most people are on board with. But if the court says it, there's nothing you can do about it. Supreme Court, anyway. So you've got two competing views. You've got the Democrats who want the, want the court to, to take a far left turn and not really mean what it says. And, you know, I know, uh, I feel so bad for my daughter. Her, her hero is Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I, I, I don't know. I, I, they're your kids, right? You can't control them, right? She thinks Ruth, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was the greatest thing since sliced bread. I read a, a, a Ruth Bader Ginsburg opinion about 15 years ago, maybe 20 years ago, where she actually stated in her dissent of an opinion that the U.S. Supreme Court should be looking at the constitutions of other countries to settle cases. She actually said that in writing, in an opinion. And the minute I read that, I thought, my God, this woman is anti-constitutional. She shouldn't even be on the court. I don't care how smart she is. I don't care that she has a vagina. I don't care about women's rights, all that stuff. If, if, if your job is to, is to apply the Constitution, to interpret our current laws and see if they apply to the Constitution, if they're, if they're constitutional, then you should never be looking to any other document than the Constitution much less constitutions of other countries, some of which are communist, socialist, dictators, fascist. I mean, should we look to Nazi Germany's constitution to see if maybe we should have a First Amendment right of free speech or free press? That's what she was advocating. So if Donald Trump gets his third nominee on the Supreme Court, this country might actually have a shot at surviving all of the civil unrest that we have. This country might actually have a shot at surviving what we're going through right now. Because to be honest with you, I've been saying this now for 10 years on this show or more, and I wish Paul was here so he could, he could talk about all the, lonely night, all the lonely days that I was on WCAP, talking about the race war that was coming and all the people saying that I'm a racist for even bringing it up. And now here we are. We are at a crossroads right now. We are either going to become a socialist slash communist country, or we're going to continue on the path of freedom and individual liberty. Democrats want group rights. They want rights for blacks, rights for gays, rights for transgenders. The rest of us just want the same rights for everybody. Everybody, regardless of race. I, I happen to believe, I know Black Lives Matter doesn't believe this, and Democrats don't believe this, but I happen to believe Martin Luther King was right. They don't. They want race-based laws. They want race-based set-asides. They want all this race-based stuff because they look at everything through race. But I happen to believe that everybody should be treated equal regardless of race. We need a colorblind society. Then CNN yesterday, uh, somebody, one of the reporters asked Donald Trump, the loaded question, the ridiculous loaded question, will you, will you agree to a peaceful transfer of power after January? 
Well, first of all, he thinks he's going to win. So why would he even answer that question? Like it's, it's a stupid. The, uh, here's the funny thing: is that everyone in the media, CNN, MSNBC, most people on Fox, they all think that Trump has no chance of winning. Just like four years ago. They're acting as though, and they're running around saying, Donald Trump won't leave office when he, when he loses, when he loses, not if he loses, when he loses, he refuses, he will, ref- he refused to answer the question. And I love how like they become mind readers now. He refused to answer the question. Therefore, his answer was, is their answer. He wouldn't say it. So therefore, he wouldn't say that he's going to accept a peaceful transfer of power. Therefore, he won't. Well, listen. If Donald Trump loses and it's legitimate and he legitimately loses, Donald Trump's going to leave. He's not going to pull a Hillary Clinton. Let's remember four years ago they said the same thing. That if Donald Trump loses, he won't accept the election. And then there were days and days of panels on CNN of talking head idiots saying if he loses, he's degrading our, our institutions. He's eroding our faith in the election process. And then when he won... Hillary Clinton refused to concede. Hillary Clinton refused to accept the loss. Hillary Clinton blamed sexism. She blamed racism. She blamed Russia. She blamed everybody on the planet. Ukraine. Nobody even knew where Ukraine was, but she was blaming Ukraine. They're always accusing you of what they themselves are doing. The Democrats are trying to steal this election. Make no mistake about it. I don't want to hear there's no proof of election fraud by mail-in ballots. Right, because it's never been done on a nationwide level before. Duh. If I say that the night manager at a bank, if he doesn't lock the door, the the bank is going to get robbed, it's the same as the Democrats saying, well, you have no proof of that. You have no proof that it will definitely get robbed, right? What are you, fucking idiot? I watch, I watch these people on CNN say these things, and it's like so moronic. Like, my brain has to catch up to it. Like, are you kidding me? There's no proof. Here's some proof for you. You want some proof? Go back and look at the last Willie Lantigua election in Lawrence when he won. Look at the absentee ballot. Not even mail-in ballot. Look at the absentee ballot fraud that took place. He won by about 1,400 votes, and in D4, he got about 1,400 votes in a precinct that usually has about 300 votes. But they were all absentees. And what he was doing was he and his people were going door-to-door with applications. See, here's what you do. You guys want to know how to commit voter fraud? I'm going to tell you right now how they do it. They go and they get the census, and the census of any town will tell you a person's name, address, and their age, and whether they're registered to vote. And you look at all the people that are over the age of 55 who aren't registered to vote, and you go knock on their door. And you say, hey, I've got this little form here for an absentee ballot. Would you like to fill it out so you can vote? And he says, yeah, I don't really want to go to the... I don't know. Listen, you fill it out. I'll turn it in. Call me when you get your ballot. I'll come and I'll sign as your witness, and I'll go turn it in for you. You won't even have to mail it. We'll even pay for the postage. Right? This is how it's done, and this is how it's been done. And they do what's called ballot harvesting. They go around, and they pick up all the ballots, and then they go through and they say, oh, this person register as a Democrat, as a Republican, and then they weed out the ballots that might not be favorable to them and turn the rest of them in. That's how it's done. No one wants to say it out loud, but that's how it's done. I've watched it happen. I watched a guy in Lawrence uh, probably 10 years ago standing around at like 745 before the polls closed. And he kept looking, and he kept looking. Whenever people came in and gave their name, and he'd look over the woman's shoulder who crossed the name and the address off. And then about five minutes before the polls closed, he texted somebody. And three people showed up, 
claiming to be somebody that they weren't, and went in and gave the names of people that hadn't voted. Because there was a guy standing there watching to see who was going to vote. So with now five minutes left to vote, what's the chances that those three people are going to come in and vote? Very slim. And they voted. Don't tell me voter fraud doesn't exist. Don't tell me voter fraud isn't rampant. It is. And here's another thing before we get to Lenny. You know, what makes voter fraud easy is the Democrats passed a law called motor voter under Ted Kennedy, which makes it a felony for an election worker to even remind you while you're signing up to vote that you have to be an American citizen. So, so answer me this, all of you people who say, all you liberals who say there's no voter fraud, what mechanism is there to stop voter fraud? You don't have to show an ID. You don't have to prove who you are. You can go in and say that you're me. You can go in and say that you're Ben. So what is the mechanism to stop voter fraud? There isn't one. You know why? They made it a felony. They made it a felony to catch people committing voter fraud in the motor voter bill. So when we talk about the Supreme Court, we talk about our voting, this is, this is what keeps us free every day. This is what allows me to not get killed for some of the things that I write on Facebook. Because I guarantee you, if I was in England, I'd already be in jail. And if I was in certain other countries, I'd already be dead. Or I'd be in a dungeon somewhere. Because I said something criticizing the government. Or I said something that wasn't an approved opinion. But we're headed there. We're headed there quick. We're at a crossroads right now. Love Donald Trump or hate him. Love Joe Biden or hate him. There's only two choices here. There's the choice of do we continue being a free country or do we not? Because the Democrats are stoking the violence in our cities. We saw it in uh, Kentucky last night. They ran around, hands up, don't shoot, promoting lies, blood libels against our police officers. Here's what's funny. All these teachers are running around saying, teaching their children that cops are evil bastards, racists, that are gunning down black men for fun, that black men get pulled over and beaten just for fun by our police officers. You say one thing about a teacher on Facebook and watch how you get your ass kicked. They're heroes. Just because there's one bad teacher, don't take it out on all teachers. Oh, really? Oh, oh really? So here's my new thing that I know that I'm going to be in Facebook jail for next month. Every time a story comes out, comes out showing a teacher doing something horrible, I post it on my page and put another hero teacher and put hero all in caps. Because we all know that all of these teachers are a bunch of child molesters, right? Because one teacher molested a child one day. We all know that these teachers are propagandists because some teachers actually are propagandists. They're preaching politics. Methuen, by the way, there's a, there's a big thing brewing in Methuen, and I'm telling you right now, I'm going to have a story for the next edition. Methuen schools, you're in trouble. You got teachers in there that are giving kids assignments that are skewed politically to Joe Biden and the Democrats. Uh, assignments going home, telling kids in fifth grade to watch CNN. Why watch CNN? Why not just watch the news? Why would they say, watch CNN and then do a report on whatever, global warming or whatever? Why, why, was it, why is it watch CNN? Why not just watch the news, right? It was watch CNN. And by the way, that story's coming. I'm telling you right now, it's coming. Uh, I actually tried to get the mother that uh, alerted me that what was going on in Methuen, tried to get her on the show today, but uh, she couldn't make it maybe next week. Uh, what else do we have? We did the Brianna Taylor. Okay, Lenny's with us, so uh, let's bring Lenny Mera up. Uh, oh, he's not with us. Oh, he's not. Oh, shit, did I not send him the, did I not send him the, um, the link to get in? 
I remember the days we used to be able to take breaks on this show. <laughs> Let's just take a quick look. Yeah, I sent it to him. Let's see. Send him a text. Maybe he's just not getting in. I did. I did. I sent it to you in an email. All right. Um, so we're, I had one more thing here. Oh, ranked choice voting. So in Massachusetts, we've got two ballot questions. This seems pretty simple to me. Question one is right to repair. Now, I really had no idea where I was going to vote on either of these two up until the last couple of days I started doing some research. So there are TV commercials running all over the place on ballot one in Massachusetts right to repair. One side is telling you that if you vote yes on right to repair, then um, small, independent um, uh, mechanics will be able to fix your car. If, let me see, see, he doesn't see the link in an email. Uh, This is great when you're doing on-air production, right? God damn. There's no way we can take a quick break, is there? I'm going to take that as a no. Oh, it didn't forward. How about that? All right. Let's try this again. That's kind of weird. Well, it's not that. That's for sure. Ben, you sent me that, right? Yes, sir. Where did you send it? Uh, Valley Patriot. <sighs> just hold on for a second, folks. We're just going to do a little on-air production because, you know, this is how unprofessional I am. It's just kind of the way I do things. Uh, ben, where's your... Uh, there it is. All right, we'll just forward this. All right, so where was I? Right to repair. So right to repair. So you've got one, one side saying that if you vote uh, for right to repair, then child molesters and rapists are going to get your information. <laughs> now, I knew nothing about right to repair. I hadn't read the ballot question. I knew nothing about it. But the minute I saw that commercial, I thought, I'm actually going to vote yes on this, I think. Like, I'm going to have to look it up first. But if they're saying that, like, if you don't, if you vote, if if you don't vote yes on right to repair, dogs are going to die, kittens will, will die in burning buildings, children will go hungry. Like whenever you hear that, you know you got to go the other way. You know you got to go the other way. The people that are for right to repair say, look, it, it, what's going on is that as cars get more and more technologically advanced, it's harder and harder for small shops to be able to fix these. Uh, these these cars with the, all the codes and the electronic equipment that they need, uh, and instead of you having to go back to the dealer and paying twice what you'd pay at like um, I don't know Sheehan's Towing or Sheehan's uh, Auto Service, which is where I go, the only person who's ever allowed to touch my car is Bobby Sheehan. Even his mechanics don't touch my car. Bobby Sheehan's the only guy that touches my car. Um, so on right to repair, you've got two sides. You've got the side that says we're all going to die if you vote uh, if you don't vote for right to repair. Um, that rapists are going to steal your information. And on the other side, it's the small business owners saying, hey, look, we don't want to be put out of business by the big guys. Uh, it's a little blurry, but I can see him. We've got Len- State Representative Lenny Mira on the program. Hi, uh, Mr. Representative. How are you? 
Hey, Tom. Thanks for having me on. Great. Listen, one of the reasons why you're one of my favorite representatives is when, <laughs> is when I text you, you actually answer me. I, I Absolutely. I text my. I never, I never turn down any invitation from anyone in the media, the press, whatever. That's no, part of my job. That's awesome because when I text my state rep, whom I do love to death, by the way, uh, uh, <laughs> Representative Minicucci, we don't agree on much, but I'll send her a text on like August 20th, and somewhere on September 31st, maybe, I might get an answer back going, hey, did you ever fix that thing you needed? No, actually, I didn't. Um, so we actually were trying to get her on the show, but I'm glad Lenny has always been, Representative Mira from Newbury, has always been very accessible to the media, always been very accessible to the public, uh, and we wanted to have him on to talk about some of these state issues. We were just talking about right to repair. Um, what do you think about this whole right to repair thing? Is this like a big red herring or is it, yeah. are we really worried about child molesters coming to your home? No, I think the auto manufacturers are obviously very wealthy. They have a lot of money. And I think they're using scare tactics to frighten people into voting no on it. Right. Uh, but no, I think you're right. It's not going to invite rapists and child molesters into your car or your home or anything else. Um, you know, information is being wired to repair shops, no doubt about it, because new cars come with this thing called telematics. So it tells whoever receives the information, if your engine is running hot, if it's burning too much fuel, if certain parts are wearing out, it notifies the repair shops. So the question is, should only the dealers for these manufacturers get that information or should the private uh, small mom and pop repair shops also get that information? Right. So if you vote yes, like I'm going to vote yes. That would allow the small, independent auto repair places to get that information. And who's to say that there aren't any rapists working at dealers? <laughs> you know, like, you know you what know, I'm saying? Like, how do we know there aren't any child molesters? They can trace the location of your car, Tom. Well, that's true. They can already trace the location of your car. And yeah, uh, there might be a rapist at a repair facility, but there might be one at the dealership too. Right. You know, it's something that um, I think is a red herring, just like you described. Right. Now, on the second question, this is this is something that's actually frightening. Rank choice voting. So those who don't know what rank choice voting is, you, you vote for the guy that you want. Like, you put a one because he's the guy that you want. He's the guy that you want the most. And then you look for the guy that, like, if he doesn't win, who would you want if he's not there? Who's your second choice? And then you put a two next to your second choice, right? And you rank it that way. So if the guy who gets the most votes doesn't get 50%, then they start doing all these weird socialist communist calculations. <laughs> so, the, so the guy who actually was second, let's say that like all the Republicans and all the Democrats have their candidate that they want, but there's an independent running and everybody puts him as their second choice. He ends up winning. It's not the Republican or the Democrat. It's the guy who's third ends up winning because both sides put him as their second choice. And this just seems to me like, you know, again, it goes back to both sides have sold us out. All I've heard from Democrats over the last 40 years is one man, one vote. One man, one vote. Now they want one man, 30 votes. And it just seems to me like this is a way of watering down our democracy so that small, small special interest groups can get what they want and override the will of the people. It should be the top two vote-getters go on to a final election, and then those two, and those two final people end up, whoever gets the most votes wins. I mean, Bill Clinton didn't have more than 50% when he won president. No, no, he did not. No. So, and I think Obama, no, Obama, I think both times had, had um, I think both times it was Obama, but I know, I know Bill Clinton did get 50% of the vote. No, yeah. and I think their concern arises in a primary where, like, 10 or 20 people run for a seat. Like when there's an open seat for Congress, you'll get over a dozen Democrats running for that seat. 
And the winner of that primary will win with just 20 or 30 percent. So that happened with Lori Trahan. Right. It happened recently with Auchincloss, who was running in this in the uh, Kennedy seat. And I think people were frustrated that they only got like 20 or 30 percent of the vote. But that's what happens when, you know, 15 people run for a seat. Right. The vote gets divided. Right. And so they so the people in favor of right choice voting think it doesn't reflect the will of the people. But, you know, we've always had it this way. You know, personally, Tom, I don't think there's a right way or a wrong way. It's a matter of preference. Some states have open primaries. Some have a jungle primary. Some have ranked choice voting. Uh, and, you know, it's just a matter of preference. And, this should you know, be the-, the, the way to choose the voting is, is this way, though. I think the people should choose if we want to go this direction. Right. Because people in office will vote for a system that protects incumbency. We don't want that. Right. Uh, the voters themselves should pick the system. But it's very confusing to a lot of people. And by the way, I'm not sure it's constitutional. Really? I'm not sure it passes the Massachusetts constitutional description of, a, of an election and of a vote. So that remains to be seen. So getting back to open primaries and that kind of stuff, none of that should exist. I mean, people, people who are for it just don't understand the system. And if I belong to the Elks and you belong to the Knights of Columbus, and at the Elks we're getting ready to vote for our Grand Poobah, whatever the head of the Elks is going to be, the Grand Elk, right. should, should someone from the Knights of Columbus be able to show up on Election Day and, and vote for my Grand Poobah at the Elks? So you don't even remember of our, of our group. Get out. And if I, when I was a Republican, it used to infuriate me that independents could pull a, a Republican ballot and monkey around with who's going to represent my party when I was a Republican. I'm not anymore. When I was a Republican, it was like, no, wait a minute. Whoever represents the Republican Party in a final election should be chosen only by Republicans. And same thing for Democrats. They shouldn't be. So now I'm doing the opposite, right? Because now I'm so pissed off about open primaries. Now I'm a Republican and I pull a Democrat ballot in every single primary and I cause as much havoc on that ballot as I can. First, I vote for Diana DiZaglio because she's awesome. And then everybody else. I voted for Joe Kennedy because all the the corrupt Beacon Hill politicians wanted Markey. So I voted for Kennedy. And right down the line, I went with whoever it was that was either the most conservative Democrat or the Democrat that wasn't favored by their own party. And that's who I voted for. But none of that. I do it because it's legal, but it shouldn't be legal. It shouldn't be allowed. Do you agree? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I still prefer that the voters choose the system, though, Tom. Um, There's a lot to be said, you know, for any system. By the way, municipalities have a pretty good system, Tom. There's no R and D when you run for like mayor or selectman or city council. There's just an open primary. So in Boston, you know, a whole bunch of people ran uh, when Menino stepped down and they had a primary. And I think the uh, winners were Marty Walsh and some guy named Conley. So then those two faced off in the general election. And I don't think there's an R&D next to their names. And by the way, you know, I wish there were no R&Ds once we got to the legislature, too, because, it, you know, parties are just awful. I, right. All political parties, not just in this country, but in other countries as well. They make good people do bad things. And, um, you know, partisan politics, I think, is wrecking the nation. Call me crazy. Call me naive. Um, but it is. People are pledging loyalty to a political party like the red team or the blue team. And I think the country has taken a backseat to the loyalty that people have to their parties. So I, now, I, I just hate party politics. Now, I, I'm okay. Look, if the Democrats want to do ranked choice voting for their primary, and that's what they want for their political party, yeah. fine, you do that. But when it comes to the final election, it's whoever gets the most votes wins, period. And if there's 37 candidates and you win with 15% of the vote, you're the guy. That's it. And one, yeah. of the, one of the things that, that is good about that system, this system, 
is if you have 35 candidates, a lot of the people at the bottom are going to realize they can't win, and they'll team up with someone who's maybe closer to the top of the ballot, someone who's got a, maybe who's favored, and they make deals. Look, I'll support you if you support this. This this measure was really important to me during this primary election, but if you champion it, I'll drop out and support you. And it allows coalitions to be built. Uh, under this under this ranked choice voting system, it's just a free-for-all to take the vote away from the majority of the people that vote. And I don't care if it's eight. If you win with eight percent and nobody else got more, you got the majority. You win. No one says you're going to get fifty-one percent. Like who came up with that ridiculousness? Like that's never that's never even been a standard ever. Yeah, I mean, some states have a runoff when a candidate does not get over fifty percent. I want to say Mississippi, a couple other states, perhaps as well. Uh, but Maine imposed ranked choice voting, yep. and I think a lot of people up in Maine are unhappy about it. I mean, a congressman running for re-election, I think, lost. In the last election, right. he won the initial vote, Tom, but he got less than 50 percent. So after the RCV got imposed, uh, the second place finisher ended up getting more votes and she won. Now she's a congressman, a congressperson. What is a jungle primary? I hear that a lot, but I don't know what it means. Maybe we I can think California you. imposes it. And um, I think it just seeks to get around the, the, the party maneuverings. Um, but, you know, I think it's very similar to an open primary. You know, there's complaints regardless of what system that uh, gets used eventually. Yeah. Um, but the important thing is to go back to what you said earlier, is to make sure we have secure elections, you know, to make sure there's no election fraud or very little of it anyway. Oh, we know that there's no such thing as election fraud. That's a myth. Yeah. We all well, know that. Well, just Google it and you'll get plenty of uh, yeah. examples of election fraud, not just, you know, theories of it, but actual court cases uh, where people were found guilty of it. And uh, it does happen. It does happen. And um, you know, going forward, we got to we got to devise a system that allows people to vote safely. Uh, but we got to make sure it's secure because um, there's a lot of distrust in in our voting system right now. As there should a lot be. Of complaints about it. You know, we mailed out applications for mail-in ballots, and a lot of people got applications for themselves plus other people. Like mm-hmm. I just moved to Georgetown. I live in Georgetown now. And I got my application in the mail, plus the two people that used to live here before me. Right. So I got three applications. I live alone. Right. Um, and this happened a lot. And uh, so, what's to you stop know, I'm not you? Call someone else's application, but but what's to stop? But but, but Lenny, uh, Mr. Representative, what's to stop you from doing that? That's well, you know when they whenever they say there's no voter fraud, it's because the law is is made so that you can't stop it or identify it. If you wanted to fill out all three of those those applications, sign two other people's names, send them in, you'd get three ballots, and you could fill them out and send them in, and no one would know the difference. Yeah, so I called my town clerks and said exactly that. And they, you know, the response was, "Well, you signed it under pains of penalty or perjury." Oh, well, that means and like, <laughs> yeah, that's true. And, and you know, we signed a card when we applied to, to when we registered to vote the first time, Tom. But do you think every town clerk is going to check every signature for every application? No, There's no. no way. They don't have enough money or time to even try to do that. So what you just described could happen. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't get away with it. I live in a small town. They don't have a state rep, but. In a big city, could someone do that? Absolutely. Yeah, you could fill out all the applications that get mailed to you. You absolutely could do that. So I've got a story that I'm going to send over to you if you haven't read it. I think we've talked about it in the past, but if we haven't, uh, I will send it to you. And maybe this is something you can work on. So I got a call one day about five years ago from my friend Giovanni Rodriguez. He's on the Lawrence City Council. He said, Tom, come down to the old Lawrence High School. You're not going to believe what's going on here. It was a Sunday morning, and it was like 10 o'clock. And I was like, well, first of all, 10 o'clock, way too early for me. All right? <laughs> He's laughing. Um so I got up as much as I didn't want to. I got up, jumped in the shower real quick, and ran down to Lawrence High School. And it was Dominican Election Day. 
And if you have dual citizenship or if you're just a Dominican citizen, you can vote in their presidential elections in Lawrence. They set up polling places. So I thought this was interesting, but I don't know why Giovanni got me out of bed for this. So I'm standing there and I noticed that the the line was out the door and around the block all the way to the beginning. So you had to start like at the door and go all the way around. So it was a two and a half hour to three hour wait. I waited. I stood in line with a bunch of people that I knew, a bunch of Latinos that are friends of mine, uh, Dominicans, and they all had voter IDs. So we get to the front of the line, finally, three hours later, and the woman in front of me says, I don't have an ID. They said, that's okay. They took their laptop and they flipped it around and said, put your thumb on the screen. She put her thumb on the screen, a bunch of things came up, and then boom. Her name, her address in the U.S., and her family address in the Dominican Republic pulled up. They printed her an ID right there. They gave her her ballot right there. And after she voted, she put her finger in ink so she can't do it again. Now, the Dominican Republic is a third world country that doesn't even have fucking plumbing in most places. And they've been able to figure out how to stop voter fraud. And yet in this country, we can't. Why can't we do? Why can't we just have the election uh, uh, safeguards that the Dominican Republic has? And if we don't and we and we don't, why can't a guy like Lenny Mara introduce something like that? Look at what the DR does and just institute it here. Yeah. So they had a fingerprint scanner. Right. Yeah, on, on the laptop. And she put her finger on the laptop screen, and, huh. in, and in under a minute, they had all of her information. It was connected to a central database. They printed her out uh, 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 an ID. They gave her a ballot, and they let her vote. And it was amazing. And, and so I'm asking all of these people in line, is voter ID racist? It's like, no, this is the way we've been doing it our whole lives in the Dominican Republic. Mexico has a voter ID. Puerto Rico has a voter ID. Dominican Republic has a voter ID. But if we do it in this country, it's somehow racist? Know, maybe, yeah. maybe you can address that because that confuses me tremendously. The vast majority of people that call me about voter ID are in favor of it, you know, but I represent a bunch of small towns, you know, Newbury, West Newbury, Georgetown, Grove, and Boston. They're all in favor of it. Mm-hmm. But something happens when you get into these big cities and they, they say just what you said, Tom. They'll say it's racist to even ask for voter ID, yeah. uh, which is preposterous. Like you said, you use an ID to get anything. You can't rent a car. You can't open a bank account. You can't get on a plane. You know, there's reasons for that. And by the way, I got no problem making the ID free. Make it free so you don't have to pay for a driver's license. Sure. Give them away. Absolutely. Uh, but let's have a secure system so that the person can only vote once and make sure they're allowed to vote, you know, when they want to vote. I mean, what you just described would be great. I didn't know we had a fingerprint scanner on a computer yep. that could spit out an ID that quickly. Yep. That's pretty awesome. So as our state rep, you should have one of your little aides do some research on this and introduce a bell. And we'll be happy to champion it at the Valley Patriot and on this program because, listen, I, if the Democrats, if a Democrat wins and they win legitimately, I'm okay with that. I, 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 I believe in the system. But if the yep. system's going to be bastardized so that people can steal elections, that's got to stop. And the only way it stops is by being brave and not being afraid of being called a racist. Right. So. Yeah. There may be a bill for that, Tom. I'll look. We submitted over 6,000 bills in the last session. There might be one on voter ID. I can check that. But, uh. If there's not, yeah, we could submit one, absolutely. And I want, I want the same system that DR has. I want the fingerprint scanner, and I want the, the purple ink. That's what I want. Yeah. So they only vote one time, and they're, right. they're sure of that. Right, and you can do a same-day registration, right? I don't have my ID, but you put your finger on. They can, they, it'll automatically show whether you voted or not. It'll come up with your address. It'll come up with all your information. They give it to you right there. You, as a state rep, you're coming up for re-election. What are some of the bills that you've proposed this year with all of those thousands of uh, uh <laughs> measures that you push through. I submitted a lot of them. Um, you know, I, I submit bills trying to save money. We all have bills to spend money, but I submit bills, you know, trying to save money. You know, one of the most interesting ones that came up 
and I'm going to bring this up if we ever have a budget session, is, um, you know, to raise the retirement age on elected officials, for instance. You know, our state uh, pension system is an unfunded mandate. It's billions of dollars in the hole. It gets worse all the time. And so at some point, we have to have a conversation on raising the retirement age. So I say, let's, let's set an example and raise the retirement age for elected officials. So if you're a state rep, a state senator, or holding a statewide office, you have to wait until at least age 65 to get we lost them. Get your pension. I mean, by the way, people who fund our system have to wait until that age to get Social Security, right, or Medicare. Right. Well, why don't we wait till that age to get our state pensions as well? You know, just things like that I've been um, submitting to just try to at least get a dialogue on it. You know, I try to talk about opening up our public bidding. We have the most expensive construction costs in the whole country. Our road repair costs are four times the national average. We spend four times the national average for every mile of road talk. It's ridiculous. And it's not because it's cold here. You know, those New England states to the north, like New Hampshire, Vermont, Maine, they spend a fraction of what we do on road repair and bridge repairs. And their roads and bridges are in better shape than ours. Um, you know, I have bills to address that, even just bills just to study it. And I, I can't even get those bills out of committee for a vote. Can't even get a vote on them. Should Massachusetts still be shut down? I'm sorry, it froze up. What did you say? Should, should be shut down? Should Massachusetts still be shut down? Is, is Charlie doing the right thing here? Because... Kind of seems like he's not. No, we're not shut down. Most most businesses are open. Well, yeah, but they're open, but they're not really open. They're open at twenty five percent capacity. And I go to I go to a, a restaurant, and there's nobody in there. Everybody they're, they're starving. They've got no they've got no business because of all this capacity bullshit. Yeah, I think we should relax some of the restrictions. I think they just did. They increased the party size from six to ten. They did open the bar area. Um, Massachusetts did it. I think Marty Wall said no in Boston or something like that. Uh, but yeah, I you know. I think a lot of elected officials are being overly cautious, Tom, because they know that they're the ones that are going to be saddled with, with blame for any increase in infections or any increase in, um, in deaths. And so they're just being overly cautious. But, yeah, we absolutely should reduce some of the restrictions. And by the way, why, why are we treating the whole state as if it's the same? I mean, there are crowded situations in Boston, Somerville, Cambridge that I could see require wearing masks, you know, sidewalks and streets where it's, it's densely populated. But when you got my way in Georgetown, mm -hmm. this is where I live now, Boxford, Groveland, uh, we don't have that issue. Why are we bound by the same restrictions? You know, we should be able to have more openings. And by the way, Western Mass has done a pretty good job as well. Why not let the restaurants out there uh, open up and reduce some of the restrictions? Yeah, I think we could relax some of the restrictions. Absolutely. I think what frustrates most people is the picking and choosing. That some businesses can be open, but other businesses can't be open. Um, you know, Walmart, Walmart was open straight through COVID, but small businesses, small mom and pop businesses that sold the same things were not open uh, during COVID. And you had yeah, I just did a newspaper interview this morning where they brought up exactly that. Yeah. And I reminded them, I said, yeah, and not only that, you know, Walmart is a huge corporation. It's owned by shareholders, okay? And yeah, the, the share price might go up or down on closings and whatnot. But that's not a big deal. But a lot of these small retailers, a lot of those restaurants are mom and pops. You know, they're owned by individuals or by families. And when, when they shut down the store or the restaurant, the entire family has lost all their income. It's devastating. We're, we're ruining families, you know, with these restrictions. Uh, so I think it should have been the other way around. And let us use a little common sense. And by the way, you know, a little personal responsibility. We understand the disease a lot better now than we did a few months ago, Tom. We know how it spread, right? Right. And we know what. What kind of precautions we should take to prevent us from getting it? And, and by the way, if you're susceptible, if you're, you know, obese or you're diabetic, you know, perhaps you can 
you know, just stay away from bars or restaurants. But the rest of us should be able to act like adults. You know, consenting adults ought to be able to go to a bar and have a drink um, because we understand the disease now. We'll know to wash our hands or to wear a mask or to wear gloves or whatever. Um, we ought to be allowed to do so. You know, there's personal rights and responsibilities that ought to come into play when we decide what kind of restrictions we're going to slap on businesses. Have you, ta- um, have you talked to the governor about this? Because I tried, and it's like talking to a wall. Have you talked to the governor about this? I don't know who's making the decisions. It's not him, but somebody under him is making the decisions as to what businesses can be open, what businesses can't be open. And it, it really all, the buck stops with him. And I tried to talk. Have you talked to him at all? Have you tried to talk to him? Yeah. Um, we haven't talked face to face like we used to. He used to meet with us as a caucus every month, but we haven't been able to do that because of COVID. Uh, so we do. Um, you know, we've sent him letters. And, and by the way, he did respond like a few months ago. You know, we implored him to open up golf courses because every other state in New England was opening up golf courses. And he did respond finally by doing so, because that's probably one of the safest things you could do. Right. Mm-hmm. You're on a field. Um, and yeah, he, he has responded to some of the requests, but not others. Uh, I don't know who's making decisions. Is it a secretary somewhere, a secretary of public health or something? I don't know. Couldn't tell you. Um, so unelected, but, you know, we're, we're working with them to try to reduce the restrictions. So unelected bureaucrats, whom we don't know, are making all of these rules and laws that are crippling our economy. And and the governor just seems to be fine with that. And I, I, I mean, look, I know he's not really a Republican. I get that. And I've always supported Charlie. I'll probably support him again because well, who else do you have, right? Uh, you don't, you don't, if you don't get Charlie, then you get some left-wing lunatic like Ayanna Presley running the state, and that's not good for anybody. <laughs> You know what right. I'm saying? But but it just seems like I know he's not a Republican, but is there any any common sense at all in, 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 in that guy? I mean, I've known him for so long. It just seems like I don't know who this guy is now. Well, he did relax the restrictions. I mean, we, we do open. We have open bars and restaurants. You are allowed to go in. Um, you know, you just have to practice some social distance. But I think that's the I think that's the uh, process in other states as well, Tom. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, if you go to New Hampshire, it's the same thing. You have to wear a mask when you enter the building, you take it off when you get to your table, and then your your party size is restricted to a certain number. Uh, so we did do that, right. you know? Um, yeah, I don't know what else we can do at this point. You um, are coming up for re-election. Um, the election is, what, November 3rd? November 3rd. All right. Um, give, give your pitch. Why should people vote for Lenny Merritt if you live in Georgetown, Haverhill, Groveland, Newbury, where else? Newbury, West Newbury, Georgetown, Groveland, Boxford, and Merrimack. Boxford and Merrimack. So all our friends in Boxford, we have a lot of Boxford uh, uh, viewers here. So so make your pitch. Going forward, I mean, the, the priorities on Beacon Hill have changed because of COVID-19. You know, we were working on educational funding and some environmental things. Uh, but now because of COVID, there's a record number of people out of work, Tom. So we need people that have experience creating jobs and putting people into work. Um, I was in small business for 30 years before I got elected. I was in the construction industry. And, and small business is the creator of jobs. That's where our job occurs. And so we need someone that has experience doing that, someone who has experience working with small businessmen, and uh, someone that can work across the aisle as well. You know, I get along great with our uh, delegation. I work with Linda Campbell, Diane DiZoglio, Christina Minicucci. Um, we, we work together, for instance, to come up with that notification system on the Merrimack River. So they have a good relationship with Speaker DeLeo. They worked on him, told him the uh, priority of getting that system in place. Jim Kelquist and I worked on Governor Baker and said, this is a priority. People need to know when we dump sewage into the river so they know when it's safe to go back in the water. Uh, and together we got the system put together. Now, going forward, what we need to do is um, 
make it easier for businesses to come here, stay here, and grow here. And I think the biggest obstacle for a lot of small businesses is, uh, believe it or not, is town hall. You know, it's just planning board, conservation commission, ZBA. We need to get these boards and councils, you know, on the same page as these small business people that are trying to set up shop because cities and towns are recognizing that we need a commercial real estate base to help alleviate our real estate taxes. We need small businesses to operate here. And it's too difficult to open a business. Just try to open a new restaurant today. Just try to open up a new business today mm-hmm. and see the obstacles that lie before you. People just give up because it takes too long and costs too much. So we need people in office that understand this and uh, can fix the problem. Uh, you mentioned Jim Kelkos. Does he have somebody running against him this year? Yes. He, yeah, does. he does. So I, I said, and I probably shouldn't have, but I said a couple of weeks ago, every Republican in Massachusetts is in trouble. Whether it's Lenny Mira, Kelkos, yep. if you support these guys, you've got to, you can't just vote for them on election day. You've got to write them a check because with Trump at the top of the ticket, the D's are going to come out in droves and they're going to go D down the ticket. And so guys like you have to work a little bit harder just because you have an R next to your name. Can you talk a little bit about that? How has that affected you? Yeah, that's exactly right. If you look at the voting patterns of these towns, you know, Georgetown, Groveland, Boston, they vote consistently uh, for Republicans. They always have. They voted for Charlie Baker. They voted for Scott Brown. They voted for, you know, uh, Richard Tissay when he ran in Mitt Romney. Uh, but with Trump at the top of the ticket, you know, uh, Democrats are motivated. They're angry. They're, they're coming out in force. They're spending a lot of money. Uh, our opponents are raising tens of thousands of dollars. And so we are up against some pretty tough competition this year. And towns that typically vote a Republican um, you know, will be in play this year. So we're working seven days a week. I'm out there seven days a week, lit dropping, meeting people, uh, doing as much fundraising as I can. Are you so doing- what you said is absolutely true. Um, you know, Trump is not popular in this state. He's not expected to win it. That's for sure. I won't even be competitive. Uh, so we get to work on getting our voters out there. And, um, you know, we're doing that by giving a good message and, uh, you know, just running the best campaigns we can. How about Bruce Todd? Does he have a, uh, an opponent? No, Bruce doesn't. He never Bruce does. never has an opponent. Everybody likes he never Bruce. Never has an opponent. No. So, so you and Jim are uh, possibly in trouble if you if you are a conservative, if you like uh, Jim Kelkos, if you like. Uh, although I shouldn't be shilling for Jim Kelkos because he doesn't help us with the bash anymore. He promised he was going to do that, and he doesn't. So I don't know that I should be shilling for him. You didn't have the bash, did you? No, I'm in like previous years. He promised he would come, and he never did. Um, is there going to be a bash next year, March like uh, 23rd, 24th? Are we going to be up and running by then? Or are we still going to be dealing with all this uh, 20% capacity bullshit nonsense by unelected people that we don't even know who they are? I'm hoping we have a vaccine by then. We'll not have to worry about it. That's what I'm uh, We can call it a vaccine party. There you go. It's a, but it's yeah, I hope we have it, Tom. And like I said, you know, your bash is full of consenting adults. You know, we can make adult decisions about whether or not we want to go there, right? Right. Well, my worry is is the venue. You know, the, the, the bartenders and the waiters and the people who run the venue, uh, you know, are they going to be able to let us do it? That's what I'm worried about. Because when this COVID thing hit, uh, the, the week they shut the country down, I came on this show and said, COVID or no COVID, we're having a bash. I don't give a shit. We're, we're going to do it. If you want to come, come. If you want to come and wear a mask, come. But if you don't want to come, don't come. But we're having it. And then the venue called and then the venue called and said, yeah, not so fast. <laughs> so no, I hope we're having it. And um, I hope the restrictions are lifted. You know, we keep hearing about how we're going to have the vaccine by the end of this year or the beginning of next year. Um, but like I said, um, even barring that, you know, consenting. I come from the libertarian side of the party talk. You know, if we're adults, we ought to be able to make a decision like, am I going to go to the um, bash for the Valley Patriot to right. raise money for firefighters or veterans 
or kids graduating from our trade schools. You know, I, I ought to be able to make that decision. Right, right. We've got about a minute left. Uh, how can okay. pe- how can people get in touch with you if they want to help you with your campaign, if they want to make a donation? Oh, yeah, absolutely. The, the website is the easiest thing. It's LennyMira.com. Really easy. L-E-N-N-Y-M-I-R-R-A. LennyMira.com. You can do it, um, you know, online there. Uh, or you can send a check. Committee to elect Lenny Mira. And the address is number 12. Locksburg Circle, L-A-R-K-S-P-U-R, Locksburg Circle, Georgetown, Massachusetts, right. 01833. You got to get a P.O. box so it's easier if people send you stuff. That's what I did. Um, yeah, I don't have a box. Uh, do you have an event coming up? Are you going door to door? Are you doing all that stuff? We're going door to door. We don't knock. We just leave literature on the door. And uh, But we still meet a lot of people because people are outside working. And 90% of the people are more than happy to come over and talk to us. The reception right. has been excellent. It's been phenomenal. Great. I can't say how positive it is. That's just been very, very good so far. All right, Len, State Representative Lenny Mira uh, from uh, well, he, we thought he was from Newbury, but he just moved. I'm in Georgetown. He's in Georgetown now. I love Georgetown. Georgetown is such a cute little community. Um, it is. And you've got that cute little uh, breakfast place right in right in downtown Georgetown. That uh, when I'm in that area, I like to stop in at. I can't remember the name of it. If you want to give him a free plug, we have a restaurant called The Spot which has very good sushi and other foods. And uh, it's a very popular place now. You should absolutely come by and see us at the spot. Well, you know what? You, you had me at sushi. <laughs> there you go. All right. Serious Lenny Mera, thank you very much for joining us. Hopefully next month we can have you here in the studio before the election. We'll talk about who the candidates are and all that stuff. You'd be happy to come in again? Would love to do it. All right. State Representative Lenny Mera, thank you very much for joining us. I appreciate that. All right, Tom. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, Lenny. Take care. All righty. All right. Let's uh, thank our sponsors. Appreciate McLennan Real Estate, uh, Janet and um, Sam and uh, and Matt and everybody over at McLennan Real Estate. If you want to buy or sell a house, now's the time to do it. Not before everybody before everything goes back to being normal again. Now's the time to do it. Uh, AFC Urgent Care. You can go and get your. Uh, COVID-19 test, you go online, you book an appointment, usually same day, you can get your your uh, your COVID-19, your China virus uh, test. Uh, Marshade and Stun Construction, if you need a new roof, if you need somebody to build a new deck on your porch, uh, give Marshade and Stun Construction a call. EIS Investigation, uh, if your wife is cheating on you, or if you think your wife is cheating on you, or you got somebody working for you that you think is stealing from you, EIS Investigations will do the investigation to help you out. Uh, they also do gun training, so if you want to go get your gun permit, go to EIS, they'll give you your gun training, and they'll give you your certificate if you pass, and you'll be able to uh, get your gun permit. Uh, I want to say hi to Nina at Climate Designs, whom I haven't heard from in a couple of weeks. We love Nina. But Raleigh's Deli, where I'm going after this to get my uh, to get my deli, means Lenny Mara State Representative Clear Path, New England. We had them on last week. I love Clear Path, New England, helping homeless veterans, helping veterans get uh, uh, service dogs, helping veterans get uh, whatever services they need from the VA. We appreciate that. Also, want to thank North Andover Car Wash. We love Bobby over on 114 at North Andover Car Wash. We're going to do a car wash caravan again. We were going to do it last week, but I got busy. Um, we're going to do it next week, though, maybe Monday or Tuesday. Get maybe 10 of us. We're all going to go get our car washed, and then we'll all go out for lunch afterwards. And I want a big thank you to Don's Sign Tech. Ben, our fine, fine producer, thank you very much for your professionalism. So glad that you've been here at least, what, a couple of months now. I haven't gotten you fired yet, which is always good. I feel so bad for the last three guys. I didn't mean to get them fired. It just happened. It's one question. It's like, oh, he's gone. What happened? They got themselves fired. Next week. Is it next week is um, 
What's the date next week? Next week is the first. Next Thursday is the first of October, believe it or not. And we will have Methuen Mayor Neil Perry with us for the Methuen Mayor's Report. Boy, do I have some stuff for him. Especially the school stuff. Melvin Taylor says we got to go home, so go home already. Telling you to go home. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.